So in 1 Samuel chapter 28, we had looked at David before, but Saul is always stuck in my mind because there's been times in my life, and this isn't something a preacher should talk about, but I'm me. (laughs) There have been times in my life when we've gotten close to God and then we would move, we try to find a church, we we uh, found a church, but we weren't quite home. We'd miss a Sunday, we'd miss another Sunday, and then after a while, we're not going to church again. And it isn't church that keeps you close to the Lord, it's, it's your own walk, understand. I'm not saying you have to go to church in order to be close to God, but you're really missing out if you don't. I mean... Being in church doesn't get you saved, but I tell you what, being out of church sure doesn't get you saved or doesn't get you close to God either. And we've, we've fallen out before. We've fallen out of church. And when you begin to fall out of church, when you begin to fall away from the things of God, you're, you, you're not around God's people anymore. Who are you around? You're around the devil's people a lot of times. So when, as, as you begin to, as you begin to, you start here and you begin to, Slide back when we've talked about that. But when I see Saul's life, it's interesting to me that Saul, when you read it, he comes to be king, the first king of Israel. God chose him. He kind of chose him despite the Israelites because they wanted a king to rule over them like all the other nations. But when you set that aside, Saul's responsible for his own walk. Saul's Saul is responsible for the things that he did himself. And here in chapter 28, we see the end of Saul's life, or we see the end of his reign, everything coming to an end. And it's not a pretty ending. And that's what we're going to look at today. But he he started out, it, it seemed like there was so much hope in the beginning. He was humble, and he was chosen from one of the least of the families, but he was he was humble enough, he didn't, but he was also afraid because he was hiding when the time came to choose lots to bring a king out. And Samuel had already anointed him, but Saul was hiding, and they had to, they had to find him. The Lord had to tell him where he was hiding in order to pull him out. But over the course of his reign, he made several decisions that, that didn't involve God. He didn't mind being around the things of God when things were going his way or when God was telling him what to do, but he, a lot of times he just wanted to do what he wanted to do. You look at 1 Samuel chapter 15 with the Amalekites, the destruction of the Amalekites and refusing to do that. Uh, I think it's 1 Samuel 14 where he is supposed to wait for Samuel. or That's not the right chapter, but in 1 Samuel 14, he builds an altar to God, but it's simply any time that he did something with God or had anything to do with God, it was simply to make him look better in the eyes of the people. Do y'all follow me on this? And Paul's kind of a picture of backslidden because in the very beginning, God had given him a new heart. He was prophesying with the prophets. If you remember that story, we won't go into it, but God had given him a heart and the proverb was is Saul among the prophets because he, he was prophesying with the prophets, he had a changed heart, and you would think God could use this man in spite of everything that went on. But we, we see 
we get here to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 28 and verse number 3. It says, Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched and shoot them. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they pitched at Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by the prophets. And then said Paul unto Saul and to his servants, Seek me a woman that hath the familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath the familiar spirit at Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went, and two other men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray, divine unto me by by the familiar spirit, and bring me him whom I shall name unto thee. So, There's a series of events that happen that take place that put fear into Saul. But at this point, God has already rejected Saul. God has said, uh, David's been anointed, Saul's been set aside, and now he's facing it. And that's a fearful thing to be set aside by God. You know, things can seem all right. Things can seem magical when God's in control. But you begin to get away from God, and then you begin to face some storms in your life. You begin to face some troubles. You begin to face some sickness. And you remember when you were close to God, and you remember when when you could trust in God, that you had faith that God was working all things to good. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. But when we start to get a little selfish, when we start to get off on our own, and when we start to say, I got this, Lord. I can handle this. And we don't do it intentionally. But there's times when you, you, you begin to get away from God, you begin to get away from church, you begin to get away from your Bible, you begin to get away from prayer, and you, and you get into that spot to where you're kind of on your own, but then there's something that happens in your life, something that takes place in your life. I remember for me one time, it was was losing my job. It made me look back. It made me turn back to God. We had gone to church in Decatur, Alabama. We had moved to Thomasville, Georgia. We had moved up to uh, Warner Robins, Georgia, in the middle of Georgia, all within the space of three years. And we had church in Decatur. We had a church in Thomasville. We got up to Warner Robins, and it just kind of fell short. We went to one church, and that just didn't seem like home. We went to another church, and that kind of seemed like home, but then things changed. We tried to find another church, and we were happy there. We missed a couple weeks. We go in, and next thing we know, the youth pastor's talking about the meeting they're going to have where they're going to select him as pastor. And it's like, whoa, what happened here? We didn't want to find out. And so you begin to kind of drift. And those things that you used to do, Saul had put away the familiar spirit, he, the, the women with, or the people with familiar spirits. He had put away the wizards. He had put away those things from the land. 
And, and there's things that you put out of your life when you get close to God. And, you, and you're just bothered by it. Just the name of it. You say, that's not good for me. <laughs> you know, as I face diabetes, I look at, and this is just illustrations off the top of my head, but, you know, I, I, I learned to look at cookies and I kind of have to learn not to like them. <laughs> They're poison. <laughs> it's like, how can it be poison? It was so good before. But it's not. It's killing me. <laughs> Didi will get... You know, and I'll, I'll play it off. I'll say, well, you know, like it's a joke. But in truth, all I'm hurting is myself. And there's a point in your Christian walk, if you've been walking close to the Lord and you saw something, you said, that's not for me because that'll get in between me and my walk with the Lord. That will get in between me and the Holy Spirit. That'll grieve the Holy Spirit. And you just, nobody has to tell you. And this Christian walk isn't about somebody getting in your face and telling you every day. Your Christian walk is about you drawing closer to the Lord. And you put those things out of your life because whatever gets in between you and him, you don't want it there. And Saul had done this for whatever reason there was. He had put away the wizards. He put away the, the people with familiar spirits and the witches. But the time comes, he's been rejected by God. He's gotten further and further away from God. There was a time he was facing battle. Samuel told him to wait, and he waited for a little while, and he just couldn't stand it. He wanted to get to the battle. He wanted God's blessing, and he, he just wanted everybody to know that they had sacrificed. He said, I forced myself, therefore, to offer the sacrifice. Samuel showed up, and... He had taken, he put himself in the place of the priest. And Samuel said, God is rejecting you. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul was told to wipe out the Amalekites. But they kept back the good stuff. They saw the clothes, they saw the sheep and the cattle. They were so healthy. They would look so good in our pastures, they would really feed some people. It's got to be good in this. And he kept it back for himself, disregarding what God had told him to do. Regardless of what we think about that now, he had disobeyed what God had told him to do. And then he lied to Samuel about it. I have done all that the Lord commanded. And Samuel said, what then meaneth the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen in mine ears? And God will do that. He'll show up and point you right to what's separating you. Right to. We try to find loopholes. And God will point you right to the heart. He'll go right around all those loopholes and show you this is the part where you're leaving me. This is the part where you're getting away. And he had gotten further and further away from God. And he ended up on the way to Endor. And he said, find me a woman who hath the familiar spirit. We see that Saul's problems were staggering. You get away from God, and I said those storms come up, sickness comes up, and you realize, you know, I really don't have control of everything. And you turn to the Lord, and that's what he did. It said the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. In verse 5, and when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. 
Verse 6, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. He had already rejected God's word. God was done with him. God had rejected him. There was nothing else to be said. Saul was on his own, just like he wanted to be. All he wanted God for was a show. When Samuel had called it out, when Samuel had called out the lowing of the oxen, the bleeding of the sheep, all Saul could think about was worship with me so that the people can see that you're still with me. And that's kind of a paraphrase. But all he cared about was what it looked to everybody else. But God knows the heart. And it can happen to you. You get away from God and all of a sudden you realize your prayers aren't getting past the ceiling. All of a sudden you open God's word and it's like looking at a piece of hard wood. You see the grain... You see the worlds, you see the words, but it's just not hitting home. It's not sinking in. So he hits the problem. Saul, he sees the problems that are staggering. Your problems can seem overwhelming. The Philistines were waging war against the Israelites, and this time they're very serious about it. They continually harassed the Israelites throughout the reign of Saul, but this time it appears that the Philistine kings are determined to break the back of Israel. And in the back of his mind, I'm sure he knows, well, he does know that David has gone to join the Philistines. And if David's on the side of the Philistines, <laughs> he's lost his best man. And he's going to be fighting, and not only has he lost him, but there's a good chance that he'll be fighting against him. And it becomes overwhelming. Saul suddenly realizes he's on his own. God's not involved in this. He told David in 1 Samuel 24, 20, he said, Now behold, I know thee, I know well that thou shalt surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. He's aware of the danger he's in and is desperately afraid. And even though he tries to get in touch with the Lord, he can't. Now Saul, he wasn't accustomed to seeking divine guidance. It wasn't his idea. You remember when he had lost the, uh, the donkeys, we'll say? When he had lost the donkeys, it was a relative that told him, go and, go and see the seer, go and talk to the prophet Samuel to find out where they are. In 1 Samuel 13, 8, he said, the Bible says, and he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of the off burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore I said, The Philistines will come down upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly, thou hast not kept 
the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept the Lord word which the Lord hath commanded thee. So we see Saul's, Saul on the road to Endor. We see some of the early things that took him further and further away from God. And now we're about to see him fall for the last time on the way to Endor. He's afraid of the battle that's coming. He's afraid of what's going to happen. He's afraid. He's not able to talk to God. And he, so he begins to look for a way. So the road to Endor starts when you start to pick up the things that you had once put down and drop the things that you had once picked up. I said it, you know, that in your, in your walk with God, there's things that you just naturally leave behind. But I noticed that when we got to Warner Robins, Georgia, when we got there and we had tried to go to church over here and tried to go to church over there, and you just begin to kind of miss, and you begin to kind of miss... And some of those things that just instantly you left down, you didn't want to pick up. I don't know, maybe it was a movie. It doesn't matter what it was. There's things in your life, there's anger that you leave behind. There's, there's things that you put down, and that's part of the old man. That's the stuff that you leave behind. And that's what Saul had done with the familiars. But then we see that as soon as the trouble hits, he begins picking up some of those things that he had left behind, some of those old habits, some of those old haunts, some of those old things that you used to do. And it starts out with just a little thing, but then you kind of begin to get a little further and a little further away from God. And there had come a point, not proud of it, but I'm telling you, it can happen to you. And anybody that says it can't is going to find out. But you begin to get away from the things of God and you'll find yourself right where you were before. Doing the things that you were before. Maybe not as bad because you have the Holy Spirit. Maybe not as far for everybody. But there's the potential. And you'll look back one day and you'll say, I remember. I remember when I used to be close to God. I remember when I go to church. You ever talk to somebody? I used to go to church, they say. I used to do this or that, and they got, they got, they fell out of church because of something that happened in church, uh, just because they fell away or whatever it was. But it all becomes a past. And Saul, he wants to solve the problem. I'm not hearing from God. So he begins to find a substitute for talking to God. And he says, you know what? Those Women with the familiar spirits, they can call up the dead and they can talk to them. And I know that I put them all out of the land, but, you know, it's not going to hurt for me to talk one time to them. And he goes to her and she realizes who he is and she's afraid. And he says, oh, don't be afraid. Just do this, this one time for me. And on the, on the way to Endor, 
you'll find yourself picking up some of those things that you would put down. One of the other things you'll find is that you'll drop some of those things that you put up. Paul used, uh, Saul used to pray to the Lord. Saul used to seek God's guidance through Samuel. But he had begun to put those things down. He, he, he wasn't praying to God. He, he gave up on that. He didn't keep praying until he broke through. He found another way. He said, well, I'm going, to talk, I'm going to raise up Samuel from the dead. I'm going to have her raise up Samuel from the dead, and I'll find out what I'm supposed to do. Because he always sought Samuel's guidance. He said, seek me out, a familiar spirit. A lot of people search for substitutes in their walk with God, whether it be changing God himself, their church, or what they believe in general. The flesh wants what's convenient, feels good. The spirit wants what's right and best for us. You can't just take what you want out of the word of God and forget the rest. Being a Christian is about building a relationship with Jesus Christ and conforming to the entire word of God. When you pick a choose, what you'll adhere to or not, you're putting yourself in God's shoes. Over in Matthew 7, to 23, he says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There's people that are making their own way and, and coming up with their own idea of what God wants. And they think they're doing God a favor when they do this. The day will come when they realize, you denied my son the whole time you were doing this. I sent my son to die on the cross for your sins, and you rejected him. The whole time you felt like you were doing things for God, but you were rejecting the one thing that I gave you. This was the beginning of Jesus telling the parable of how to build your house. He was saying to build the house on solid rock and not on the sand. When you allow things to creep back into your life that you used to feel convicted about, you're on the road to Endor. Proverbs 26, 11 says, As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. 2 Peter 2.20 says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness and then after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned again to his own vomit and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire getting back in the mud. <clears throat> Another way to know that you're on the way to end on the road to Endor is when you begin to hide what you're doing. See, Saul went to her at, at night. He didn't want to be seen. And he disguised himself. He covered himself up. And when you begin to get away from God, and when you're when you're on the way to on the road to Endor, you begin to hide things. You want to know how to check if you're on the road to Endor? Examine your life. Are there things you do in the dark that you don't want anybody to find out about? The Bible says that we're children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. When you, when you start to hide the things that you're doing from your friends, from your family, from your church folks, 
you might be on the road to Endor. Another, another way to know is changing your identity. When you're saved, when you, you know, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul said. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. When you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not ashamed of him. When you begin to travel down the road to Endor, there's a little bit of fearfulness of people knowing. You know why that is? Because they'll hold you accountable for your relationship with Christ. Or maybe because if they don't know about it, they can't tell you it's wrong, right? Begin to change your identity. You remember Jonah? God told him to go to Tarsus. And it was Tarsus. No, he took the ship to Tarsus. God told him to go to Nineveh, right? And he jumped on a ship to Tarsus. It's interesting about that trip to Tarsus because I've, I've read that and I've preached it. And he's on that ship and Dee, Dee likes to poke at me about Jonah because he ran. But when he was on that ship and they got in that storm, Jonah wasn't up on deck praying. Those sailors were praying to all the gods that they knew. They were throwing over all of the weight. They were doing everything that they could. There was so much activity around that ship. It had to be like ants on a hill. And they're, they're saying, well, this is extra weight. We don't need this. And they're throwing it over. And they're, well, what about your God? Let's pray to your God. And what about your God? Let's pray to your God. And they're crying out to the heavens. And you know where Jonah is? He's down below decks and he's asleep. He's laying down there below decks while all of this is going on, while the storm's going on, and he's asleep. You can go spiritually asleep. You can, you can begin to get away from God and just it to where all of that doesn't seem to affect you, but you're affecting people around you. Saul was affecting an entire country because he was the king. He was the spiritual leader of the country. We saw the difference when David ruled. But they go down there, and one of the men says, Awakest thou, sleep. Why sleepest thou? And he says, Cry out to your God. They knew that he was a prophet of God because he couldn't help but tell them. Now, I've been underway, I've been out on the ocean, and you're looking out at the starry night, and you're standing out there on deck, and you begin. You talk, and you begin talking about your home, your family, your girlfriends you know, girlfriends you have, your wife. You talk to each other. And Jonah had let them know that he was a prophet of the Most High God, but yeah, he told me to go to Nineveh. Yeah, but we're going the opposite direction. We're going to Tarsus, he said. Yeah, I didn't want to go to Nineveh. I'm a prophet of the Most High God, but I just didn't want to do what he said. And he said, awake, sleep, cry out to your God. And, he's, and when he got on deck, you know what he told them? Because he knew. They didn't know. They didn't want to do anything to him. They weren't accusing him. 
And you'll find yourself when you're in that spot, people may not be accusing you of anything, but the, the storms that are going on around you, it might have something to do with you being on the way to Endor. And that storm was affecting everybody on that ship. And he resigned himself. He said, throw me over the side and the storm will stop. Because this is God doing this. And he, he didn't get down on his knees. He didn't pray. He dropped the things that he had picked up. You'll pick up things that you dropped and you'll drop things. Or you'll pick up, drop things that you picked up. He didn't pray to God. He let him throw them over. You remember Peter? There he was. Jesus was in the judgment hall. And Peter had no idea what to do. He had it all figured out beforehand what was going to happen. He said, though all men forsake you, I will never forsake you. And Jesus said, yeah, Peter before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. Peter doesn't know what he means. And he goes to show his faithfulness to Jesus. When they're in the Garden of Gethsemane and they all show up to come and take Jesus, he, he, I'm not letting them take it. He pulls out his sword and he cuts off the servant's ear. And Jesus says, put it away. You know, we, we, we want to do something on our own power. We identify the thing that we can do to help God with, and God says, put it away. And suddenly you're like, well, what am I supposed to do here? I'll give you a hint, let go and let God. Amen? But Peter's so dejected. He's out there and he's warming his hands by the world's fire. I know they didn't have 55-gallon drums back then, but that's all I can see in my head is Peter standing out there as all of this is going on, and he's warming his hands by a trash can. <laughs> I know that's not the case. A young maiden comes up and says, he's one of them. Peter wants to hide his identity. He said, no, I'm not. I'm not one of them. In his mind, he's thinking, they can't take me. I have to be here in case I help Jesus. I don't know what's going through his mind, but you know, I can't help but think it's something like that. Or he just, I don't know. I'm not sure where I stand with this anymore. I'm not sure what's going on. And he had lost faith because his faith was in himself. And he had kind of lost faith in that because that's not what God wanted. So he wasn't sure what was happening. He said, no, I'm not with them. And again, somebody else, and again. And finally, he cussed. <laughs> he picked up something he dropped. He cussed, and he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not with them. And then he heard the rooster crowing. And as soon as he heard that rooster crow, he saw Jesus over in the distance as they walked him. And Jesus turned and looked at him. And he realized he was on the way to Endor. And he, he went away and he wept bitterly. You know how that works out in John chapter 21. But where was Saul? We're not going to make it to John chapter 21. 
and Saul is on the road to Endor. So you begin to hide your identity. Saul tried to cover himself so he'd be unrecognizable, but the witch recognized him. I could tell you about Abraham and about Isaac, who both made the same mistake, where they lied to the king and said, no, she's my sister. Another way to know you're on the road to Endor is when your heart gets numb. Or in 1 Timothy 4.1, it talks about a conscience that's seared with a hot iron. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That's quite a picture. As you know, there's a point. If you're burned badly enough, you can't feel anything. You stand next to the world's fire long enough, you're going to begin to stop feeling things. You're going to become numb to the things of God. The preaching that you used to hear that would melt your heart, it would bring you to tears. You would feel the finger of God reaching down and poking you in the heart when the preacher would read a verse. Or you'd hear a song that was sung and God would reach down and just tap you right there. And you'd feel that conviction. And you'd say, yes, Lord, I know. And it's a conversation that only you and him have. When Andrew met the Lord, he's, he said, uh, they were telling him about Jesus, and he said, can anything good come out of Galilee? And when he met Jesus, Jesus said, when thou was son of the fig tree, I knew thee. Whatever that conversation was, Andrew knew exactly what he was talking about. He said, my Lord, my God. And that, that soft heart, that tender heart, the Bible calls it. You can get away from God. And you can push against the Holy Spirit. And you can push against the Holy Spirit. And you can push against. And that conviction will it'll get thinner. It'll get lighter. It won't hurt as bad. You can go by the church house. It won't affect you. You won't be pulled in. You can hear about, you can get an invitation to a meeting or you can get an invitation to a Bible study and you can, no problem turning it down. No problem walking away from the things of God because your heart's gotten a little harder. You've quenched the Holy Spirit. This is what happens to Saul over time. All of those things that took place, throwing the Spirit David, hunting, hunting David down, offering the sacrifice, not listening to God, not taking care of the Amalekites, all of those things put him further and further and further away from God until he was numb to the things of God. You see, when Saul went to Endor, he had to walk out of Jerusalem, or he had to walk past Samuel's grave. He had to walk past the altar that he'd built when he was king. 
He walked past all of those things to make it to the witch of Endor. He was numb to it. All he could think about was how he was going to solve this problem himself. Samuel was God's prophet. He was the prophet that God raised up to be his messenger after all the corrupt years in the book of Judges. He was God's voice in the place of the priest that had become corrupted. Samuel was the one who anointed Saul to be king, but time after time, Saul failed to listen to his counsel. In the beginning of Saul's reign, and I talked about it, God changed his heart. God touched his heart over in uh, 1 Samuel 10. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, talking about Saul, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill beyond, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass when all that knew him before time saw that, Behold, he prophesied among the prophets. And then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And that was always sad to me when I read that. That at one time God had changed his heart and used him to prophesy or preach. <coughs> but he gets further and further until he ends up on the road to Endor. By the end, Saul's heart had darkened and become seared to God's words. Amos 8, 11 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Check yourself. So these aren't steps that you take in order. These aren't things that happen in a certain order. But, but as Jesus said about the end times, you know the, sign, you know the times and the seasons. But you'll catch yourself. There'll be a point. The Holy Spirit will convict you about something. Are you going to deny? Or are you going to take that conviction to heart? And you're at a fork in the road. This way leads to God's altar. This way continues your walk with Jesus Christ. This way continues your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's hilly, it's bumpy. And there's rivers, and there's valleys, there's mountaintops. You never get to stay on the mountaintop. You got to go down in the valley when you leave the mountaintop. And it's rough. There's gravel on it, and you slip. It's not easy. But you stand there at that fork in the road and the other one leads to indoor. And there'll be something that God will hit you with. And like I said, these aren't steps. These are just signs. There's signs that warn you you're on that path. And you make a choice. You make a decision. Just like when the Israelites, <laughs> at the beginning... Of all books, the book of Judges, they had walked with God for 40 years in the wilderness. God provided them food. He provided them water from the rock. 
He showed them miracles in escaping Egypt. And everything they did was guided by God. And he gave them instruction on how to live. And when they came into the promised land, there's a lot of sad chapters in the Bible, and this is one of them, that within a generation, they had forgotten about God. And the epitaph on the book of Judges is there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. There were times God bailed them out. He'd send, he'd send a deliverer. He sent Samson. He sent Gideon. He sent Deborah and Barak. He would send a judge to lead them out of that trouble. But it wasn't long before they were back into it. But at the beginning of the book, when they come into the promised land, Joshua is the one that gets to lead them. And he tells them in chapter, uh, at the, well, it's, it's before the book of Judges, but he tells them, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. You know, Romans chapter 6 tells us you're going to serve something. You're going to serve the Lord under righteousness, or you're going to serve sin. He said, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a personal relationship. You can't control what everybody else does. But you can watch your heart, and you can watch for those signs that you're on the road to Endor. But Saul, it's like I said, there's no John chapter 21 for him. There's no walking back. For Saul, it was the end. He began his reign with a heart changed by God, but he ended with his last supper in Endor.